Um, I hope you have stories because I literally have nothing. <laughs> That's funny because I don't have much either. Because, um, like, oh, all no. I've been doing is I've been working, like, my fucking dick off. I worked, like, almost 55 mm-hmm. hours last week. And so Ew. my overtime is going to look pretty good because nice. um, it's the only time of the year I get approved for overtime. Right. And with my new um, income, it'll actually look pretty good uh, this next mm-hmm. paycheck in however many weeks. But, yeah, I mean, besides that, like, Anna had COVID, like, had yeah. straight oh, up yeah. COVID. I didn't get it because <laughs> oh I've been vaccinated and she hasn't. Right. So, like, you know, being in the same house and everything was fine. Um, but I still had to fucking go to work because, <laughs> you know, I Damn. was perfectly healthy. So that sucked ass. Yeah. But. Yeah, and she's uh, recovered for the most part. Doesn't yay. still doesn't have the full taste and smell back yet, but she can at least taste and smell most things. So that's good. That's yeah. Hope yeah. Hopefully she'll get it back eventually. I've heard people that like have had COVID and like that's still kind of one of their lingering symptoms is their like taste and the smell is kind of not as distinct as it once was but I don't know if that's like a long-term thing or if it's like a permanent effect or how the fuck what happens either I'm guessing it varies person by person I mean yeah it's like there's some things that she just can't smell yet still Mm -hmm. but she can smell a lot of things like she can't smell her dog like her dog doesn't smell like anything (laughs) but she can smell like candles and most foods and things like that but like yeah, she goes huh. to take a whiff of her dog, who generally smells like a dog. <laughs> she can't smell it. I was going to say, well, at least that's not the worst thing not to smell. Yeah. <laughs> but. Yeah, that's, I mean, like, literally nothing's been happening around here. Oh, I, I LOL every time I see your snaps, because it's just you at the, like, driver's seat of an ATV at a different field <laughs> each day. Yep. <laughs> Some different dirt, some different sky. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's literally been it. Yeah. That's your variation. I know. I haven't done shit either. I've just been working and then that's it. Really, I don't really do anything on the weekend. So that's why I was kind of excited to get this job because I'm like, well, shit, now I can finally do something. And I was like, well... Because my originally my first day was supposed to be yesterday, and I wish it was, because then maybe I would have had a story. But <laughs> that's all right. now we'll have to wait till next time. That's all right. I mean, because of the way that we record these things, people probably don't realize that we're recording it on Halloween. Like today is yeah. Halloween, <laughs> and then when we release this episode, it's not going to come out until Thanksgiving. It comes out right. on. Thanks the Thanksgiving holiday, the American Thanksgiving holiday. So it is also yeah, it's going to be interesting. I can't wait to hear yeah. your stories of your first day of work being. I know it, it being I know. Halloween. Like I know I'm I'm start. pretty excited. I know. I hope I, I hope other people dress up and I'm not the only cool one. <laughs> yeah, but I don't we'll know. We'll see. Yeah, they're all kind of. They're all generally middle-aged ladies so they might be spunky <laughs> yeah i could see them doing a little like cat ears or something you yeah know. You yeah never know. i bet there's gonna be a lot of witches yeah <laughs> yeah exactly but yeah this episode is coming out on the american thanksgiving holiday which i find yes. very 
um, bad timing on our part. <laughs> like just <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not great, not great timing. I mean, I think what we're the movie we're about to talk about um, was actually like for the most part historically sort of relevant. Yeah, it, we'll get mm-hmm. into it. I think okay. I actually I liked it more than I thought I would. I'll say yeah, that for for a war movie, you know. Mm-hmm. So we might as well just get into it before I give too many opinions. Okay. All right. Well, I'm Jesse, and I'm Aaron, and we're the Cage Queens. Got a bit of a ring to it. This week we're talking about Wind Talkers, which was released in was it 2002. Or 2001. Yeah, I think it was, I think it, it was slated originally for 2001, yeah. but... But then 9-11 the, uh, happened. 9-11 thing kind of set it back a little bit, um, so they released yeah. it in 2002. <laughs> the 9-11 thing. Yeah, that Yes, that yes, that, that happened. Um, yeah, so essentially it's about um, these U.S. Uh, Marines that are fighting in World War II and um, these sergeants are in charge of kind of protecting these Navajo Marines that are code talkers who use their native language in code to, like, um, you know, identify... Relay information. Yeah, yeah, to relay information. And um, so that's the gist of it. <laughs> There's my one-sentence yeah. recap. Say, <laughs> it primarily follows... Um, Nick Cage, who plays Sergeant Joe Enders, uh, primarily follows him, and he he he's in the he's the sergeant of Marines, and he's protecting the Navajo Code Talker played by Adam Beach, and he plays um, Ben Yazzie, and then there's a second Code Talker as well who is Charlie Whitehorse played by uh, crap was it Roger Willie. Mm-hmm. Okay, I couldn't I couldn't remember the guy's name and I felt a little weird about that. Um, but he plays another code talker who's protected by uh, Christian Slater who plays Ox. some guy named Ox. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember his full name, but those two are really the primary like the two Navajo characters are the primary code talkers that we see. And we and like the biggest criticism here is that we don't see a lot of the code talker action we don't see enough Mm. it's only just kind of like just glossed on the surface like we don't get a full dive on it they don't put a lot of attention to that it's more about the action and war and um about nick's feelings and (laughs) kind of that ptsd dealing with uh his own internal conflict because in the very beginning of the movie we um see Nick in his unit he's in the middle of shit like all his dudes are dying around him he's just like a very low ranking dude at this point like he got thrown into command um kind of uh just because there wasn't anybody else like he was just the highest ranking guy and he had 15 guys underneath him and his orders were to like stand his ground basically and he wouldn't pull back when everybody was begging him to and all his little soldiers were dying around him and he ended up getting uh basically knocked out and ended up uh, ended up in a hospital later he was the only survivor 
of that little troop. And he has a lot of regrets about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because one guy literally like, grabs Nick Cage by his collar as he's dying. He says, God damn you, Joe Enders! And that's yeah. like, the line that replays over and over and over. He can't get yeah. that haunting memory out of his brain. From this whole thing, he has this injury in his inner ear where, like, he doesn't have a lot of balance and, he, you know, he gets, like, a ringing ear and everything. Um, but he he and this nurse that, for some reason, likes him, even though he's a huge <laughs> asshole to her. Yeah, she was really after his D. Like, she would not give up. Yeah. And he was just, like, no interest. <laughs> yeah. Nurse Rita, played by Frances O'Connor, she is a very, very small character in this, but she Mm -hmm. helps him cheat his hearing test so he can go back on the front line, so he can get revenge or whatever the fuck he's he's getting after. And she, like, writes him letters also. That he just doesn't respond to. (laughs) He can't respond, but yeah, yeah, he doesn't respond. And he also doesn't, like, go for mail call, but, like, they barely knew each other, I don't think. Um, I know. They only she met just, each other right before he went back out. She just seemed like she just wanted to save him and be his, like, I don't know, just be his person. Something, yeah, like his beacon or whatever, his reason to survive yeah. and come back. Yeah. Yeah. But he didn't really yes, care because all, all he wanted to do was get revenge for his boys. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, he just felt so guilty for... for all the loss he caused for just following orders. Just one stupid asshole. I think at this point we get introduced to the Navajo um, nation and like was recruiting um, individuals who fluently spoke the language to Mm -hmm. become code talkers. And there was a little like montage of that for like two seconds and then next thing we see is they're, like, going to boot camp. Yeah, they waste no time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and so um, we get to see um, Ben Yazi kind of join and um, Charlie Whitehorse join the uh, Knicks unit. And, of course, there is so much racism happening oh yeah obviously we got to keep in mind that it was like the 1940s and so obviously i think this racism was probably pretty historically accurate but still just watching it was so cringy i just wanted to like oh like how could you say that just to a person it just blew my mind i know um yeah so there's a lot of that going on the Per- the main person who's just kind of the biggest asshole is a character named Chick. And I don't oh, remember I what actor. Him I know. He's so awful. much. <laughs> like I don't remember what actor plays him, but um yeah, he he's the one that is spouting most of the racist stuff. And yeah. there's even a point where he talks about um it's later in the movie, after like after he makes comments about how uh, ben Yazi, uh, there's no difference between him and the Japanese soldiers they're killing. The only mm-hmm. difference is the uniform because they both have that um, darker complexion, like skin. Like they mm-hmm. look similar, but they don't look the same, you know. And so he makes comments like that, and he even assaults Ben at one point. 
And he also talks about this story about his grand, his grandpa, who would brag about killing, I think, Comanche uh, Native Americans, mm-hmm. like, you know, from years before that when they were settling and and really just fucking shit up before the the advent of reservations and all that shit. And he's just like that systemic asshole <laughs> that yeah. really... Uh, deserve to die yes but then like ben yazi he would always have like he would always stand up for himself and then he just felt like woohoo go ben because he was you know he could take the shit and throw it yeah exactly but then then you were also like boo nick because nick would always be around and then Uh he would like he wouldn't do anything to help and then he would kind of like semi-agree with the uh, chick guy, and then you're like, what the fuck, Nick? I thought you were better than this. He'd be like, I told you just not to go off on your own. Like, this shit wouldn't happen if you were with me. Um, And, oh, there was one other thing. Oh, it was uh, Charlie Whitehorse actually saves Chick's life at one point. Mm -hmm. Um, When they're in the shit, he like takes his big ass knife and like launches it across like 20 feet into some dude's chest to save chick's life and yeah and like that was a turning moment for chick but it didn't like it didn't make him a better person by any means he just realized that he's kind of an asshole yeah yeah exactly um yeah there was um there was a lot of combat situations in this movie it was just like Mm -hmm. combat for 20 minutes then we get a like a little break combat again then a little break and then so much more combat and Mm -hmm. so it was it was very busy in that sense and then like you know every time there was hard to differentiate too yeah like between the different soldiers yeah, definitely. Especially because a lot of them were all so, like, generic white man. It's like, I couldn't tell the difference between half of them. I was like, what? <laughs> this guy's different than Ox and Chick? Like, huh? Who is this yeah. guy? Um, obviously, could d- distinguish Nick because of his <laughs> unique looks. But <laughs> he was really the only one that I was, like, for sure knew about. Oh, and then also Mark Ruffalo, who played um, Papas. <laughs> Papas. Um, yeah. yeah, oh, and so a thing of, like, not um, anything that I was looking up or anything, but just based on movies that we've watched recently. So he plays, a, Mark Ruffalo in this movie is playing a Greek character, you know, a Greek soldier in World War Two, and we just watched Captain Corelli's Mandolin, same, like, time yeah. period where Nick was, you know, in Greece. And so um. I thought that was, like, a really interesting um connection I guess. the funny the funny thing is is mark ruffalo is italian <laughs> so an italian playing <laughs> yeah. a greek guy is like huh <laughs> i know um that's ironic fuck yeah and then so nick was kind of like the dick sergeant and then ox was he was like trying to be buddies with uh, charlie whitehorse like he was interested in his culture and he, like, mm-hmm. was trying to get along with him and, you know, invite him to do stuff. And um, he was he was definitely the most woke out of the group. Uh, you could tell yeah. that he was making an effort. Um, uh, but he they, dies. They beautiful music together. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> he does die. 
<laughs> he dies. The good guy dies. Yeah, they were yeah. they were having a jam sesh <laughs> where Ox was playing like a harmonica and then uh Charlie was playing, I don't know, some kind of like wind yeah, yeah. wind instrument. Um and so they were just rocking out. Um mm-hmm, really making some good music together. But yeah, um Ox dies. Uh Try, like he was trying to, he and Charlie Whitehorse were getting just fucked in one scene, and that's when they're in that village that gets attacked. And part of the orders in the um, operation that both Nick and Ox have, like their orders, are to not let the Code Talkers get captured by like any means, and so to military people that means you kill that person like Mm -hmm. they die because that's the only way that that information is not going to get spread and so because christian slater wasn't he i think he was going to kill charlie whitehorse but he started trying to save him and ended up dying yeah himself yeah and in the end so then charlie whitehorse is getting like Captured because then the the Japanese soldiers are like, no, you can't kill him. He has information that we need mm-hmm. so that we can, you know, decode their uh, messages and stuff. And so Nick is witnessing like Charlie Whitehorse getting taken away, and he's like, oh fuck, I, got, I gotta follow the orders. I'm a good marine. Like that was his thing too. Is he just follows yeah. orders? Um, and so then he gets a grenade and he he tosses at it because he kind of gets like a slight head nod from Charlie Whitehorse, like he's like he un- like an understanding, yeah, like yeah. I know that you have to do this, yeah. And so then Nick chucks it, um, and then all of those uh, soldiers and Charlie die, and then oh mm-hmm. poor Ben Yazzie's like at the end of the the combat scene, he's like, oh no, where where's my boy? And then. He's mm-hmm. like, oh, he's over there. And then it just, like, flashes it to him being dead. I was like, damn, why did you say it like yeah. that? <laughs> it was a really cruel way to do it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was not cool. And, of course, Ben, like, loses it after that. Oh, yeah. Um, especially, and I can't remember when Nick tells him why he did it. Mm-hmm. But, like, Nick tells him that he killed him. He didn't say, yeah. I don't think he says why at first. Like, yeah, Give he just says, reasoning. I killed him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Give yeah. the reasoning. Justify. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, but then it, it gets pretty ugly uh, after that. He kind of, like, just goes on an all-out killing spree. Yeah. But um, before we get too far to the end, one of the cool scenes that I thought was really interesting was um, when they're, they take, like, the wrong route uh, to mm. their next, like, to the next place they're going to and they end up getting hit by like they're getting fired on by their own people Mm -hmm. because they're not on the right path and ben's radio gets fried on his back so he doesn't have like a way to call them to tell them to stop firing on them and he uh gets the idea at because of the comment that chick makes about him looking like the Japanese soldiers, he gets the idea to put on a Japanese soldier's uniform and then get a hold of their radio to call a ceasefire. And so Nick 
poses as his prisoner going into it. And Nick surprisingly knows a lot of Japanese. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I guess he does. You kind of have to. Yeah. Um, being out there. Uh, and, uh, like, they get into the camp and he does, like, a cool move uh, after, you know, getting beaten down and uh, degraded by the soldiers. He does a cool move where he sneaks behind Ben and grabs his gun and just, like, pop, 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 goes to town, and they finally get to the yeah. radio and we're able to call the ceasefire. But it was a really cool scene. It was just, yeah. like, like a almost like a little heist, like a little mini heist. It was yeah. really cool. It was, and also, too, the fact that Nick was just single-handedly, like, holding off the entire... <laughs> Japanese like unit he's like yeah I just have this pistol with unlimited bullets like you just take Mm -hmm. your time Ben while I while I handle these guys and then they're like yep they got it and then uh the code that he like uh relayed was like hey you gotta blow these guys up instead and so Mm -hmm. then they got blown up and um you know obviously Nick and Ben got out of there but yeah it was pretty cool I wonder how far like if that was that anything that you found in your research, if that was a real thing, if there was I, ever I don't mishaps? Think was a, I, no, I, I was going to say, I think that's a little more like a Hollywood um, tale. I was going to say, I don't think any of this was based on a true story by any means, but yeah. it's based on like... Just the um, basis of using the Navajo as... Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, as, uh, as code talkers. Mm-hmm. And so... Some of the cool things about the code talking um, that I that I saw was, I mean, it was developed like and implemented really quickly. Like mm-hmm. they didn't. I mean, they started playing with the idea of using Native American code talkers in World War One, and I think they used, um, I think it was Comanche uh, Native Americans that they used for that instance, but. Navajo weren't the only ones um, that they they used for uh, code talking. They used a lot of different Native American uh, tribes and members for mm-hmm. this purpose, which I found really interesting. And so we see also in the beginning, the words that they use are not like your like the word for tank is not tank. Right. They use right. the word tortoise to describe God, a that tank. That would be so fucking confusing. My brain could yeah. not ever operate that fast to try to trans like to try to relay information and like translate it in your head what yeah. that means. Like, oof, that would be right. so complicated. Under pressure too, like, oh mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's like the whole like that's that's part of the reason why the code was so hard to break mm-hmm. is because they use like a poetic like um type of language. So like another word that they had was like for the word the word for submarine, they <laughs> It was iron fish. That was nice. what they called it instead of a submarine. And so I just thought that was, like, really cool. I saw some other really cool ones about, like, what they called British people. And, like, I now I can't find huh. it, of course. <laughs> Fuck. But they had some really cool different, like, terms for uh, for it. And once it was, once all that stuff was declassified, because nobody could talk about it, after... 1968 it was declassified Mm -hmm. and it was the only code that was never broken by like other other militaries yeah yeah it's definitely a a fascinating concept and i'm glad that uh this was thanks nick for educating us about (laughs) about this because yeah it's pretty cool i like when things are based off true 
Um, I, I like when interesting things are based off of true, true events. Yeah, I would say so. Um, something that I did find that would be not true about the way this is all depicted is mm-hmm. uh, there wasn't any information about whether like the the killing of the code talker, you know, to prevent mm. them from getting into enemy hand. Um, there's no truth to that idea that that was what the orders were, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but the body, like, there were definitely uh, Marines assigned to code talkers. Uh, they were, like, the bodyguard. And they, their primary goal was just to make sure that the U.S. soldiers wouldn't mistake them for Japanese soldiers. Wow. Interesting. So, yeah. So I thought that was interesting. And I guess the other thing non-historically accurate part of the movie is how close people were battling each other. Yeah. Like, <laughs> ten feet apart shooting at each other. Yeah. They're like, yeah, that's not how that would have happened. Yeah, how they could just run up and stab them. Like, I was like, um, that seems a little close for comfort, but, yeah. Definitely, like, well, I think the the bayonet style is definitely true to the mm-hmm. weaponry. Um, because once you run out of bullets, if you're, you know, in the trenches or like when we saw Nick in the beginning in the swampy area, mm-hmm. you know, like it's kind of your last mode of defense. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. How much that was actually used, but yeah. Pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. Definitely. There was like, uh, there's a lot of Nick getting haunted by his past and Mm -hmm. there's one scene where he's drinking uh sake with um ben yazi and he Mm -hmm. he opens up to ben about that and he start he kind of starts to get there's you know that laugh that nick does when he's starting to get goofy (laughs) like a very like hysterical laugh he did that, and then he just, like, goes dark. <laughs> I was like, oh, I thought we were going to get silly Nick Cage, but no, we got a very <laughs> um, traumatized Nick Cage. Um, so there was bonding between them um, at that point, and I think, was that be- that was before he killed Charlie. It was probably my favorite scene. Yeah. Ben kind of, like, carries him back to his bed and, like, you know, tucks him into bed, and then he does mm-hmm. his... Um, he has like a, a protection ritual almost that he does around him, and then Nick's yeah. like, "Hey, who are you doing that? I'm not that drunk." <laughs> yeah. Um. So that that scene was I like that scene, um. But I think that was that was before Char- um Nick uh killed Charlie because that's when they were bros and like you know Ben thought yeah. they were friends. Then he goes to the scene where you know he obviously he kills Charlie, and then Ben is like, he goes off the chain he is so mm-hmm. sick of nick's shit and everyone's shit and so when he gets to his next like battle he just goes on a killing spree and like before that he was very hesitant to kill anybody like he, he didn't really he's like nah, it's not really like what i came here to do like this is hard yeah. for me but then after that he's just like going ham killing mm-hmm. killing uh the enemy um, and then they, they get to this one scene where, um, so Gunny, which is like their, um, oh, what's his, his, uh, real name that he's Peter Stormare. Yes. Yes. <laughs> where we've had him in other movies before. He's kind of like the top, uh, general, I guess in their, in their scene. 
Um, and, and he ends up getting killed. And so yep. with him killed and with Ox killed, that leaves Nick the only sergeant that is left. And so he's the highest ranking guy. And then, um, you know, it's kind of this very deja vu moment where he's mm-hmm. left with just a handful of soldiers. They're like, Nick, we're running out of ammo. And then Nick's like, oh, no. <laughs> he's like, this sounds all too familiar. Uh-huh. He's like, I thought this shit was over. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And then he's like, just trying to convince everybody. He's like, no one else is going to die. Yeah, he's like, I promise we're going to make it home. We're going to make it out alive. Yeah. Like, we're not going to die here. And, uh, yeah, and, like, Ben's still, like, you know, like, they they get back into the battle, and he's still, like, really, like, losing it. And he almost kills Nick at yeah. one point. Yeah. Like, he, like, almost slits his throat. Yeah. It's pretty, pretty wild. It's intense. Um, yeah, but... Uh, both at at some point in this last final battle, both Nick and Ben get they get hit by bullets or something, you mm-hmm. know, like just in different places on their bodies, and Nick literally carries Ben <laughs> through the gunfire and like drags him to safety. Literally, but, like literally, yeah, puts literally. him all on his back after you know he just got fired a bunch of bullets in the back drags him through the dirt to make sure Uh his wounds are all muddy um yeah and he gets him back to safety and then but yeah nick's pretty fucked yeah yeah at this point yeah he got like shot in the heart and then he like you know and ben's like oh man we did it and um he realizes that nick is dying and then nick's like i didn't i didn't want to kill charlie and then ben's like it's it's okay Mm -hmm. um and then nick dies and i felt like surprisingly like sad that he died because i was like because everyone was coming back to him they're like joe he's uh the enemy is like we did it they're all gone and then they realize like he's dead and everyone's kind of like well we never thought joe would die like so yeah that's yeah he wanted this ending though yeah it was best that he died out of you know between him and ben Nick, yes, Nick, for sure. Nick didn't have anything to live for, where Ben had, like, a family waiting for him back home. He mm-hmm. had more aspirations than just being a part of the military. Um, yeah. So. He had his son, who he was going to raise well, of course. Yeah. Because he seemed like a pretty good dude. Yeah. Um, all, all around. Uh, I was actually really sad that Charlie Whitehorse died, because I that, really liked his Oh, character. my God. He was so sweet. <laughs> He was just, like, such a sweet man, and uh, I was looking up, like, his character, too, because he was originally brought in to just be a dialect coach, but then they're like, damn, this guy's really good that they brought him in as the character to be, you know, alongside Christian Slater, and so I was like, that's just how cool he is. (laughs) Did you see the bit of trivia, and I don't know how true this is. That said that Nick Cage learned to oh speak God. Navajo fluently for his part, despite the fact that his character doesn't speak Navajo ever. And yeah. then he said that he later said he did it to better understand the script, but John Wu, the director, maintained that Nick Cage had misunderstood the character for which he had been cast. Which sounds yeah. pretty yeah. fucking on on point. Yeah, I guess I, I definitely believe John Wu. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, on on that uh, p- perspective, because <laughs> that sounds exactly something like Nick would do for like just uh, because he's 
extra. And yeah. um, just not all there. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I can't imagine how much time it would have taken to become fluent in Navajo. Like I know. I, like, don't I don't believe that he... Yeah, I don't believe he became fluent. Yeah, at all because like, I don't believe that. Um, so another thing, so the actor that played um Ben Yazi, he was actually from the Ojibwa Nation, and so he didn't speak Navajo, and so he, although he had some, you know, he had his own language, like an understanding of that, like it's completely different from Navajo, and right. so he's like, exactly. even for me to try to learn that, it was extremely difficult. So for like. Nick to just do it for no fucking yeah. reason. Like, I was like, uh, okay, we'll see. Like, Nick, you can't even fake accents, let alone, like, speak another language. Although um, his Japanese. Yeah. So, like, the two things he said in Japanese, I mean. Well rehearsed, yes. I thought. Yes. But, but I don't speak Japanese, yeah. so I can't really fucking say. That's true. Um, yeah. I did, I found that piece of trivia. I, I wrote that down too, because I'm like, just LOLing. Yeah, at, yeah. At, Nick's, at Nick, just being who he is. God. <laughs> um, let's see, is there is there anything else? I'm, yeah, I'm not sure there's, there's much of anything else that I, I really thought we needed to talk about. You think too much. Um, yeah, I like this movie more than I thought I would. Um, yeah. I, I do wish there was a little bit cutting back on the combat. I mean, I understand that it is a war movie, and that's a lot why people like these types of movies, because of the combat <laughs> situations. And, like, you know, in the trivia, there was a bunch of, like, historical, like, oh, they brought in this equipment that was actually mm -hmm. from World War II um, to reenact this scene. And so I'm sure a lot of, like, the war fanatics were, were like, very intrigued by that. Um, yeah, I actually, so I saw that the, um, that John Woo actually didn't want as much action as the movie had, but it was the, uh, the, the movie companies that, you know, he was making the movie for mm -hmm. who wanted the big action. Like, he was saying it was more of a story about, like, friendship and Nick <laughs> overcoming his own battles and shit like that. Mm -hmm. So, maybe it could have been different. <laughs> But. You know what I'm, I'm also curious about is because they said, because this whole thing kind of happened around 9-11, they said that when mm -hmm. they released the movie, that they released it as, like, they cut back a lot on the combat. Yeah. And so I was like, is this a cut back version or or is this the original version? So I think we're seeing the cut back, like, because I guess there was more blood and gore, maybe, yeah. in the original version yeah, but after so... <laughs> you know after 9-11 that was probably a more sensitive yes topic. yes definitely um so yeah i was kind of curious like damn what was the original one like if this one was already yeah this intense but um yeah i think i i liked it more than i thought i would um I did, too. So, I guess that can bring so, us to our ranking. I was about to say, does that mean we can rank it? <laughs> Hell yeah! Watch this. Where's Captain Corelli's mandolin? How long? Okay, that went pretty far down. Yeah, I was going to say that's 22 out of 38. Um, yeah. Uh, I feel like I like this one more than, like, Snake Eyes. I do, too. Yeah. I'm thinking somewhere in here. Oh, yeah. Around, 
maybe around Racing with the Moon because that one was also mm-hmm. another. That was war. It was another war. Yeah. Sort of. Yeah. Sort of. Yeah. It was barely it, a war. Yeah. It was like more like background story about them before they were going to the war or some shit. Um, yeah. I think I liked it better than. I can't remember Valley Girl. That was when Valley Girl, Nick was hiding in the was... bathtub. <laughs> yeah. When he hid in the shower and while people were like. In there, like shitting and stuff. Yeah, so. I think I like I like Nick's character better in Valley Girl, but I think I like this movie better than Valley Girl. Um, okay. Or so where are we putting it then? Um, <laughs> I don't know. It doesn't for the Valley Girl less than Racing with the Moon. It really doesn't matter. Sure, I was gonna say it's gonna get lost yeah. in the because we're about to get into like to Nick's more popular yeah. stuff. Like, we're finally getting into his career, I'm basically. I'm so excited. Yeah. Yeah, so, okay, let's put it under Racing with the Moon, so that would make it number 13 um, out of our 39 now. Hell yeah. I'm a little out of balance. Oh, man, and what do we got coming next? So, our next movie is directed by the one and only <laughs> Nick Cage. It's his directorial debut. Oh, fuck. <laughs> and the movie is Sunny, which came out in 2002. It's rated R. It's just shy of two hours. It's an hour and 50 minutes. And our little description here, it's a crime movie and a drama. And... It's an honorably discharged soldier returns home to New Orleans, hoping to break away from his upbringing as a trained prostitute, but his brothel madam mother has other expectations. Oh my god. And the main star is James Franco, so this is going to be interesting. And... Uh, And because Nick directed this movie, we're going to have to come at it with probably like a different... A different way, like like we're gonna have to look at it very differently. We'll have to judge his directing skills. Yeah, and it looks like um, so he does play a character. I'm guessing it's yeah. very minor. It's acid yellow. <laughs> yeah, he like cameos his own yeah. movie basically. Yeah, of course he does. <laughs> Why wouldn't he? Um, of course. Yeah. So this is a. Uh, I'm I'm pretty excited about this one. It sounds very interesting. It only has five point six stars out of ten on IMDb rating, but. Hey, we'll be the judges of that. <laughs> yeah. And it looks like he got one nomination for the movie oh, fuck. at the at the Deauville Film Festival in 2002. Interesting. He was only nominated, he did not win. <laughs> so, well, I'm excited. And this was one that we had to get on DVD because we couldn't find yeah. it on any streaming platforms. So, for anyone who wants to watch along, go buy the DVD. Yep. Yeah, I'm so excited. I'm so excited to watch this because I'm really curious just to see, like, to get inside Nick's head for a second. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see how it goes, but. Hell yeah. All right. Hakone.